Welcome to the podcast of Destiny Community Church. So we're on our third and final week of Caption This. And each week during this series, we are having a Caption This contest on social media. And the comment that gets the most likes gets a free $5 gift card to the Blend Coffee Shop. The coffee shop right across the street over here that the church owns that um, we send profit to the mission field. And, uh, and so this week's picture was this candid shot of Josh Bryant from Vacation Bible School. And this week's winner is Zach Bradshaw with over 30 likes. The last time I checked, it was like 32 likes. And, and so you, you've set new records for this contest. Uh, he captioned this picture with, this is the first time my VBS shirt has been washed all week. <laughs> so Zach, come on up and get your $5 gift card, man. The first week of this series was about those moments that catch us off guard and, and sometimes they can cause us to doubt. And we have a tendency to caption those moments with faithless thoughts. Proverbs 23 and 7 warns us, for as, a, for as he thinks within himself, so he is. And so we know that there's power in the way that you caption your circumstances. No matter what you're going through, you've got to speak faith in the middle of that, that moment. Then last week was about not buying into the labels or the captions that people have put on you. Don't buy into the caption that you've placed on yourself. And I, I, I preached to you about Gideon, how he had to change the way that he saw himself. He saw himself as the weakest in his weak family, and God saw him as a mighty man of valor. Now, these past two weeks have been about what you and others have to say about you and what you have to say about your circumstances. And today, even though we're still going to look at what others may say about you, today I really want to, to conclude this with what God has to say about you. What does God have to say about you? What does he have to say about your life? How does God want to caption your future? We all know, and I think most of us in the room can agree, that an anesthesiologist often plays a very important role when a woman is going through labor. All the women in the room say amen. Yeah. Yes. One woman was so grateful for her anesthesiologist and, and the epidural that, that was given to her that she told him, she says, I'm so happy about how well everything went that I'm going to name my son after you. She said, by the way, what is your first name? He responded with Thorndike. She paused for a moment and she said, do you have a second name? <laughs> Selecting a baby name can be and probably should be one of the most stressful jobs of parenting. Think about this. That child has to live with that name for the rest of his or her life. Unless they are willing to pay big bucks, they have to live with the name that you give them. Take, for instance, my name. For years, many people have wondered and asked me, is your real name Rocky? Is it Rockford? Is it Rockefeller? Nope. It's just Rocky. That's what's on my birth certificate. It's just Rocky. That's it. It's not a nickname. It's my real given name. Rocky is my name. But I will tell you, I was out two years before the movie was. <laughs> the given name for a child is a difficult job, and parents 
fail, and I feel like my parents failed at that, but not as bad as this one couple did a couple of years ago in Australia. I don't know if you heard about this, read about this or not, but in naming their daughter, they wanted to give her a unique spin on a very popular moniker. And, and they decided that they were going to name their daughter Caitlin, but to be different, they replaced the A-I-T with the Roman numeral for eight. And it looked like this, K-V-I-I-I-L-Y-N. And that is what they legally named their daughter. And as you can imagine, they were blasted on social media. Like, why would you do this to your child? And I understand that. I mean, they probably should be blasted because think about it. When this baby grows up, when she becomes a young lady, she is going to H-V-I-I-I, her name. You'll get there by second service. You'll get there. It is interesting to me how people take on the persona of their name. Like there's people in this room right now. I look at you and, and of course, of course, you're Beverly. I mean, I look at you and that's your name. You look like a Beverly. I know that. I know that. You're definitely a Dylan. When I look at you, you are a Dylan. I know that. And, and people kind of take on the persona of their name. And there's some recent... Uh, research that suggests to us that people grow into their, their given names, that, that people begin to look like their name. Uh, another study suggested that, that certain names carry with them stereotypes, and so people kind of uh, uh, blend into that stereotype of that name. Uh, many people, and, and this is the research, this isn't me, the research says that many people evaluate a person named Catherine as more successful than a person named Bonnie. I'm sorry to all the Bonnies in the room. But people look at Catherine as more successful than you. The studies show that a person named Scott is more popular than a person named Herman. Well, duh. I mean, come on. <laughs> Sorry, Herman. Forgive me. The study said that, that you would expect a person named Bob to have a rounder face than a person named Tim. Yes, it works, doesn't it? Doesn't it? It just works. These studies suggest that your child will become their name. So whatever you name that child, it is important. Think hard about it. Expecting parents, uh, for those of you that are, are wanting to have children in the future, start thinking about it now. I know that b before we were even married, Mandy was writing down Kendall Nicole and Caleb Thomas on, on, on pieces of paper. She was thinking this thing out. We were thinking this thing out. And, 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 and it's important that you name your child the right name. In biblical times, parents usually name their children according to what they were going through in the moment. If life was good, they gave their child a joyful name. If life was a struggle, then they would often give their children a demeaning name. They wore their feelings on their sleeves and their children paid the price for it. It doesn't sound very different from the world that we live in right now. Parents wear their feelings on their sleeves and their children pay the price for it. A child's name in biblical times carried with it the true feelings of the parents and what they were going through at that time. And, and we see this played out in the true story of Jacob, Leah, and Rachel. And, and if you want to, you can go ahead and turn to Genesis chapter 29 with me in your Bibles. We're going to be reading from, from 29 and also chapter 35 today. 
But if you know this story of Jacob and Leah and Rachel, then you'll know that Jacob worked for, for Laban for seven years for the opportunity to marry, to marry Laban's daughter, Rachel. But Laban tricked him. You see, Leah was the older daughter, and he wanted to marry his older daughter off first. And so he, he tricked Jacob into marrying his daughter Leah instead. And the Bible says that, that Leah had weak eyes. And, and we're not quite certain what that means. We're not sure what it means to have weak eyes. Some have suggested that maybe she had a lazy eye. Maybe she needed Coke bottle glasses. I don't know what it means for her to have weak eyes. But the New Living Translation actually translates this in a way that I think it makes a lot of sense. It says, there was no sparkle in Leah's eyes. It says there was no sparkle in Leah's eyes, but Rachel had a beautiful figure and a lovely face. I think that says it all right there. She is living in her sister's shadow. She might be the older sister, but she is inferior to her sister's beauty. We know that, that Leah was the oldest and she was probably worried about if her younger sister was going to get married and she would have a hard time finding a husband and maybe that her sister was going to get married before her and, and that, was, that was not the custom of the day. Never would a younger sister be married before an older sister. And, and without her father's help, she, she probably still wouldn't be married. But, but her father helped her and, and, and Jacob agreed to work another seven years to marry her more beautiful sister, Rachel. And, and, and it was no secret, the Bible even makes it plain to us, that Jacob loved Rachel more than he loved Leah. And that's hard. That's hard for us to swallow. It's hard for us to hear because we don't want anyone to feel that way. And actually the first verse that we're going to pick it up from here in, in Genesis 29 and verse 31, um, it, it, it comes across a little harsh right here in the moment. But, but let's read it and, and understand where these two sisters are at. Verse 31 says, When the Lord saw that Leah was hated... He opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. And Leah conceived and bore a son, and she called his name Reuben. We'll come back to that in just a moment. She called his name Reuben, for she said, Because the Lord has looked upon my affliction, for now my husband will love me. She conceived again and bore a son, and said, Because the Lord has heard that I am hated, he has given me this son also. And she called his name Simeon. Again, she conceived and bore a son, and she said, Now this time my husband will be attached to me, because I have borne him three sons. Therefore his name was called Levi. And she conceived again and bore a son, and said, This time I will praise the Lord. Therefore she called his name Judah. Then she ceased bearing. That first son that she had, I think, really speaks volumes as to where she was at in life and, and, and her frame of mind. She named her first son with Jacob. She named him Reuben. And Reuben means see, a son, or look, a son. In other words, she was telling her husband, would you just love me? Look, I gave you a son. Open your eyes. See what I've done for you. The second son that she had, his name was Simeon. Simeon is Hebrew for heard. And, and in her mind, she was thinking, God heard my prayer and gave me a son to make my husband love me. Like now he will finally love me. She wasn't counting her blessings. She was looking at each one of these children as, as a reason why maybe her husband would fall in love with her. Third son that she had was named Levi. Levi means attached she said, we now have three sons together. My husband is attached to me forever. I couldn't help but think of the words of the great urban philosopher Kanye West. 
18 years, 18 years. She got one of your kids, got you for 18 years. How many of you know what it means to be attached? Amen? Remember now, these are names that will stick with these kids through the years. And finally, she gave birth to Judah. And instead of focusing on her husband, it's almost as if Leah gets it for a moment, at least for a moment. We know she falls back into this game later, but in just this moment, instead of naming her child after what she's going through in life, she names her son Judah, which means praise. This time I will praise the Lord. Forget about what my husband says about me. Forget that he doesn't love me. I'm valuable. I'm loved by God and I will praise God. Judah will be the name of my son. God will be praised. But Leah was not the only wife that was working through self-esteem issues. You see, the pretty one, the one that, that Jacob really loved, the one that he wanted, Rachel is in a case of her own struggles because she's watching her sister give birth and she is barren and not able to produce children for the love of her life. So she does what any woman would do, of course. She gives him her maidservant to have children. Okay, maybe most women wouldn't do that, but that's what she does. She gives her maidservant to him to have children. And, and, and she gives birth to one, and then she gives birth to another. And after the servant gives birth to the second son for Rachel, Rachel names him Naphtali, which means wrestling. And I, and I think we all know where this is heading because she was in a constant wrestling match with her sister for her husband's attention, for his love. And so she names the son after this season of life that she's in, wrestling. That will be his name for the rest of his life. And I don't have time this morning to go through all of the other names, but between the two of them and their servants, they birthed 12 sons and one daughter for Jacob. That's a lot of kids. We know later they'll become the 12 tribes of Israel. But each one of these, these men, they were named after the season of life that their mothers were in. Each child having to learn to live with the name of their mother's emotional state at the time that they were born. I want you to be careful, parents, not to cast your seasonal struggles onto your children because it has the ability to dictate the rest of their life. What you're going through right now, it will pass. Don't project that onto your children and make that their way of life. There was a family from New York City and they bought a, a ranch out west and so they packed up the family, moved out to the ranch to raise cattle. And some of their friends from the city were visiting with them, and, and they inquired about the, the name of the ranch. What's the name of the ranch? And the, the father, the new rancher, he replied, he said, I wanted to name it the Bar J. He said, my wife favored Susie Q. He said, our son wanted to name it the Flying W, and, and our daughter wanted to name it the Lazy Y. He said, so we're actually calling the ranch the Bar J. The Bar J, Susie Q, Flying W, Lazy Y Ranch. And the friend, the friend replied, he said, well, where's all the cattle at? He said, well, they didn't survive the branding. <laughs> it scares me to think that some of your kids will not survive the branding. Parents, you've got to be careful in what you project onto these children. The season of life that you're in right now, I promise you, this season is going to pass and you've got to find a way to praise God in the middle of that storm. You've got to find a way to find joy in the middle of that darkness because it is being projected onto your kids and you are captioning their lives and you don't even realize it, but you've got to find a way to move past the hurt, move past the pain, move past the fear and actually put on these kids a life that is worth living. 
It worries me to think that some of you may not survive the branding that has been placed on you. That at some point in your life, someone said something about you. They gave you that name. They gave you that moniker. And it has stuck with you for years. Now, many years later in this story, after Jacob has had a life and changing encounter with God, where he actually wrestled with God, he has a new understanding of life. He's a blessed man. He's found forgiveness for his, his past and how he deceived people. He's a new man. And in Genesis 35, verses 16 through 18, we read of this. It says, Then they journeyed from Bethel, and they were still some distance from Ephrath. Rachel went into labor, and she had hard labor. And when her labor was at its hardest, the midwife said to her, Do not fear, for you have another son. And as her soul was departing, for she was dying, she called his name Ben-Onai, but his father called him Benjamin. His dying mother wanted to name him Ben-Onai, which means son of my sorrow. In her dying breath, she wants to caption his life, son of my sorrow. And we get it. She's dying. The birth of this son is going to kill her, and she names him after that experience, son of my sorrow, Ben-Onai. And with a name like that, for the rest of his life, this child will be blamed for his mother's death. Think about it. When his father calls him in from playing in the backyard, and, and he shouts out the window, son of my sorrow, it's time to eat. It's a name that will stick with him. When his brothers call him on the phone, hello, hey, son of my sorrow. You think about this. On his tombstone one day, it will read, Here lies son of my sorrow, died spiritually on the day that he was born physically because he was doomed from the moment he was named. But his father had different plans in mind. Please hear me. No matter what caption they've put on your life, your father has different plans in mind for your life. Jacob recognizes the power of captioning his son's life. And instead of calling him Ben-Onai, son of my sorrow, he says, no, your name will be Benjamin, son of my right hand. Stick with me, son. I'm going to take you places. Stay close to me, son, because you're going to be one of my favorites. And this young man's life could have went a different direction, but he was deeply loved by his father. Think about it. I don't have time to get into all this right now, but, but it's one of my favorite stories, the story of Joseph, and that's one of his brothers. Later, his brother Joseph was betrayed by his older brothers, uh, probably because of the way that their lives were captioned and what their mothers were going through at the time that they were born. But, but these guys are, are just up to no good. And decades later, when Joseph was now a powerful political leader in Egypt and his brothers come before him Benjamin was favored by Joseph being blessed five times more than his brothers why because he was the son of his father's right hand he was not the son of my sorrow his life could have looked so different but his father recaptioned his life 
And maybe they captioned your life at birth. Maybe you made some mistakes that caused them to caption your life in negativity. Maybe they sinned against you and you feel like their mistakes against you, their sins against you have captioned your life. But today, I I want you to know that your father wants to rename you. Your father wants to give you a new caption for your life. He wants to control what is being said over you, what is put over your life, what's being declared over your life. And when God changes a name, it dictates a new season of life, a new character quality. It will give you a new persona if you will allow it to. It's kind of like this. When Mandy married me, her name was Mandy Busker. Busker. Well, that just rolls off the tongue, doesn't it? Mandy Busker. By the grace of God Almighty, she married me and was allowed to change her name to Mandy McKinley. Sounds so much better. Eminem. Mandy McKinley. It just rolls, it just flows, doesn't it? It just sounds good. Mandy McKinley. Now, you're not going to do it because you love your pastor's wife, but if I asked you to vote right now, everyone in this room would say, Mandy McKinley sounds so much better than Mandy Busker. Just so much better. And with that, Mandy took on a new identity. She wasn't just a single woman anymore. Now she was a married woman. Now she was part of something greater. Trust me. (laughs) Let me move on before I get too much trouble. God is in the habit of changing names. He did it for Abraham. He did it for Sarah. He did it for Peter. He did it for Paul. He changes names. He changes identities. He changes the future. Isaiah 62 and 2 says, You shall be called by a new name that the mouth of the Lord will give. During biblical times in the Roman court system, when it required a a jury, the jury members would cast their vote by casting either a white stone or a black stone. All of the votes would be cast by them putting one or the other, the white stone or the black stone, into an urn. And after all the votes were cast, the stones were emptied from the urn and then they were counted. Each black stone represented a guilty vote. Each white stone represented a not guilty vote, a vote of innocence. And if there were more black stones than white stones, then the defendant was found guilty. And if there were more white stones than black stones, then the defendant was found not guilty. And in Revelation chapter 2 and verse 17, the Lord promises that he will give to the faithful a white stone with a new name on it. That's the promise that Jesus makes for us. That to the faithful, to the ones that endure, to the ones that put their trust in him, their faith in him, to those that are faithful, he promises, I will give you a white stone with a new name on it. 
In other words, Jesus says, I will give you my vote of confidence. I will call you innocent. I don't know about you, but I am not innocent. I do, I do not deserve that verdict. I deserve to be guilty, but Jesus says, I will give you my vote of confidence in you. I will declare you innocent and I will recaption your life, Rocky McKinley. Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, He has voted for you and He has rendered you innocent. That means that with, with the new name that He puts on your life, you are free from guilt, you are free from shame, you are free from accusations, you are free from the captions that have been put on your life. Jesus believes in you and He has given you a vote of confidence and He has given you a new name that even when we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's how much faith He has in you. It doesn't matter how the world captions it. You have to understand who you are in Christ Jesus. You have to understand the vote of confidence that he has in you. And the only way that you'll ever understand that is completely putting your confidence in him. Thank you for listening to the podcast of DCC. For service times and directions, log on to www.destinycommunitychurch.org. Thanks again for listening.